welcome back. Today we are going to talk about bad decisions that Audrey makes because she has <laughs> absolutely no foresight and all the hindsight in the world. I decided to make pizza for dinner tonight, which normally not a bad thing to do, but I had this recording scheduled and for some reason I thought, yeah, I can make pizza crust and let it rise and bake it and eat it in an mm -hmm. hour and a half. And it didn't no. work. No. <laughs> Oopsie. Yeah, I um I mean I did eat it, but at what cost? Mm, most of my mouth. It's burnt. It's gone. Oh no, because you didn't let it rise enough? I didn't let it cool enough before eating. It was oh. just oven to mouth. Oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and what's even worse is I was like, oh, I'm going to make a little dessert pizza out of this extra dough here. And I wasn't sure if I was supposed to put the sweet toppings on after the crust is baked or before <laughs> or sometime in the middle. And so I was like, I'm going to split the difference and do it sometime in the middle. I'm, I've been a professional baker and confectioner. <laughs> I should know what happens to sugar when it gets really, really hot. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, my two-year-old monkey brain is just like, <laughs> looks good. Go touch it. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all to say that I am filing for ADA support because I have completely destroyed my mouth and yeah. am now disabled. So, oh no, you know. uh, you'll you'll get feeling back eventually. Nah, I guess. But I will soldier on, and yes. and I will get through tonight, where we will record part two of Studio Ghibli. Okay, so uh, back to join us again is Chase, our fellow Studio Ghibli enthusiast. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to pick up right where we left off, which is with Spirited Away. Mm. Now, <sighs> Carmen, uh, do you remember when we talked about the Disney Renaissance forever ago and how the movies that came out in the early and mid 90s were like consistently really good? Yeah. I kind of consider this the start of the Studio Ghibli renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not a good to comparison. Say, yeah. It's not to say that the early Ghibli movies were not memorable or even not as good as the later Ghibli movies, but I definitely think that Spirited Away was to Ghibli that The Little Mermaid was to Disney, where mm -hmm. it kicked off several years of just very consistently good movies. This movie is widely regarded as Studio Ghibli's greatest film ever released. The plot is fairly emblematic of a Miyazaki film, where doing a summary of it doesn't really do the film justice. And with Spirited <laughs> Away, I feel even more so about that. Yeah. I mean, after all, what American parent unfamiliar with Miyazaki's work would be willing to take their child to a film whose plot summary is 
10-year-old Chihiro has to find her way out of the spirit world after her parents turn into pigs, <laughs> and she has no choice but to work at a bathhouse. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's out there. And I mean, even watching it, it sounds weird, but watching it, it gets, it, it, yeah, it gets even weirder than that. <laughs> there's really no touching the, there's no... There's no touching the weirdness of that movie until you see it for yourself. Giant-headed bird women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or even, like, how did Chihiro's parents get turned into pigs? They ate too much spirit food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple it's and... wacky. Yeah, but just so random. Yeah. But, you know, so much of it just really works, in my yeah. opinion. And I think that a lot of it is the execution, because the characters are all so interesting. Even the little side characters that you just see in the background. Mm -hmm. I specifically like the radish spirit. I, I was going to say the radish spirit. <laughs> yes! It's my favorite. Yes. Okay, you tell me why he's your favorite. Oh, I just I just like the way he, like, I like this the side eye he gives Shihiro. Oh. You know what I'm talking about in the elevator? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good! And I think, I mean, obviously that's like the scene that he's kind of featured in. Yeah, for sure. But I but mean, I he's love... just always walking around in the background. And just, he is! He's, he's in got like... his little towel. <laughs> <laughs> he's in like 14 scenes, just like there. Does he live at the bathhouse? Like, yeah. I don't think he ever leaves. Yeah, it's like him and all those little, like, little chick people think you know what i'm talking yes. about the yellow guys <laughs> yep, yep, like they're yep, all yep, just yep. kind of there all the time yeah i love how chill he is too and how he just <laughs> kind of rolls with it <laughs> yeah for um sure. when when chihiro is like trying to sneak up to the top of the bathhouse and he's just like <laughs> yeah all right um, going up yeah. i guess <laughs> he's great very um, cute movie yeah and the detail in the movie, too, just like in I think in a lot of movies, it would be considered kind of an artsy move to just have shots of the scenery. And yet in, in Spirited Away and a lot of the movies moving forward, there are just like two or three second shots of here's the room that they're entering and here's some of the yeah. detail mm -hmm. and you don't even think awesome. about it mm -hmm. there's just so much detail too it's just crazy well, that people put so much time into yeah. just like three seconds of it you know i really think that's like the mark of a really or a mark of a really good artist is one that creates the detail to complete the scene even if they know like each individual part isn't really going to be recognized or even consciously noticed you know mm -hmm. but it but it just comes together to make this really complete scene and it's complete looking and it feels authentic yeah i yeah that's awesome yeah and i don't know about you guys i've watched it enough times now that I actually kind of start to fall asleep whenever I turn it on. <laughs> because it's like yeah. two two straight hours of nothing but calming yeah. visuals and music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, the music again in that one is incredible. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I think the last time I got all the way through the movie Awake and in one sitting was maybe 2007. <laughs> wow, uh, that's a long time ago. I know. 
Wow. I do also want to address something uh, that is kind of a popular urban myth on the internet, which is a lot of people like to assign meaning to Studio Ghibli movies or mm. put fan theories mm-hmm. into the movies <laughs> that I think don't I actually exist. About. Yeah, why don't you go for it, Carmen? Yeah, so there are... There's... Um, there's a pocket in Tumblr, and I like Tumblr, honestly, I really do, but there is a pocket that kind of goes crazy with the fan theories like this, and maybe it really feels like it's essential that the movies say something more than they're actually saying, because they want it to be like in service to some maybe yeah. worthy cause, but it's just a stretch sometimes. Anyway, they there's some people that think that the whole thing is a allegory of like child sex trafficking. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just so weird because like growing up, my mom has just really loved movies, absolutely adored them, every single aspect of them. Mm -hmm. And so when DVDs started to be a thing and special features started to be a thing, you bet that we were watching all 19 hours of special features (laughs) on whatever movie we got. And so, yes, I watched the interview about like some of the process and what Miyazaki's life was before and during the production of Spirited Away, he specifically says, I've made movies for younger kids, mm-hmm. like with My Neighbor Totoro, yes. and I've made movies for teens, like with Kiki's Delivery Service, mm-hmm. but I haven't made movies for the in-between age, like for 10-year-olds. And I realized this after I spent some time with my friend who has a 10-year-old daughter, and I thought, I really need to make a fairy tale for her. And so he did. And that's it. That That is it. There's no more. Just fairy tale for 10-year-olds. There you go. And I think, uh, I don't know, I it, it does kind of bug me when people do that. Um, I do like fan theories. I like sharing my own, too. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really know where the where the line is crossed, you know, but at some point it just gets like, okay, if I look into this further and try to like think of more connections, I'm going to just ruin the whole thing as an art piece for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the I've thing- done that with things like books. I've done that with things. Sure. I've dissected them too much. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit before about when do you accept the death of the author and when do you acknowledge the author's intent and the thing that bothers me about this instance in particular is that a lot of people insist that the producers of the movie have said yes it is an allegory for children sex trafficking and the answer is no like please Mm. don't put first of all that's awful yeah no i don't want to watch a movie about that i already know enough (laughs) yeah I don't need to, I don't need more awareness brought to, like, make me more upset that it's happening. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just let it be. It's charming and wonderfully complex on its own. It's a beautiful story about finding strength, especially at an age where a lot of kids are really struggling with transitioning from young childhood to older childhood. Just let it be. I've also seen fan theories about my neighbor Totoro and that the girls are like dead at the dead end the of the whole movie. Time. <laughs> because and and get this, the theory is that because they don't cast shadows 
in one of the scenes at the end of the movie, that means that they're spirits. And in I, one scene? Mm-hmm, the one where they're sitting outside of the hospital. No. And like looking no. at their their parents. Yeah. And so I was like, no, this doesn't really make much sense. So I researched it. Turns out the animators just didn't want to draw the shadows. So. Yeah, it, 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 honestly, <laughs> it's it usually the simplest explanation is really pretty funny. much, it's very likely to assist the simple explanation. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that was the first and only Studio Ghibli movie to win an Academy Award. It won the Best Animated Film Award back in 2003. And I think for good reason. I think it's a beautiful story and just extremely well executed. After that, Studio Ghibli released The Cat Returns. I don't really consider it a Ghibli film, but it's still produced by Suzuki, who's one of like the three main guys, so technically it is. It was directed by Hiroyuki Morita and written by Reiko Yoshida. And this film is kind of a follow-up to Whisper of the Heart. So, like, maybe... What was Whisper of the Heart? Can you remind me of Whisper of the Heart? Yeah, so that was the one that I talked about. Like, it's one of my favorites because it just ta- it's about a young girl who loves stories and she meets a young boy and they're both, like, in junior high or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this this is supposed to be a, like an official sequel of that? No, it's <laughs> like, it's weird. So it's kind of a sequel in that it does reference a very small side character called the Baron, which is a statuette of a ginger cat dressed up all dapper-like. And it's in a shop that the main character in Whisper of the Heart goes to and like, she meets this old man who actually turns out to be the uh, grandfather of the boy that she's like kind of annoyed with and slowly like becoming friends with. And so he tells this story about the Baron and it's this just really cute story about like there's another statuette out there of his wife and they were separated and he's just like waiting for the day that they can be reunited again and so just super like inconsequential just very small part of the movie and studio ghibli is like hey let's ask the question what if the baron was real and so then they made the movie the cat returns where the baron is like like okay it's kind of like the nutcracker Like, you know how in the Nutcracker you've got Clara who's like, I love this Nutcracker. And then the (laughs) Nutcracker turns out to be real and he's like, hey, come into this fantasy world with me. It's a lot like that. I see. Okay. Yeah. So there's this girl in The Cat Returns named Haru who is taken to a fantasy cat world to help solve a minor conflict that mostly centers around her. The story is largely about Haru discovering who she is and who she wants to be, but I don't know. I've watched it once. The stakes end up feeling kind of low, and the movie is kind of overall fairly forgettable. 
Yeah, I mean, but it's kind of compared to the rest of Ghibli's library. Like, I am sure that there are a lot of people out there who would watch The Cat Returns and be like, this is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Especially if they're aged between, like, four and nine. Oh, yeah, that's the that's the age <laughs> range where the, the cute little the cute little characters really reach. Yeah. Really, really reach ya. Yeah. So it's fun. I think it's worth watching once um, and definitely forming your own opinion. Just, that's mine. Yeah. Oh, good to know. After that, Studio Ghibli released Howl's Moving Castle, which was written and directed by Miyazaki, music by Hisayushi, and produced by Suzuki. This is probably the only movie in the Ghibli library where I don't know how much to talk about it and like what level of talking about it is appropriate yeah (laughs) because i do love it but like there's not a whole lot that's like super duper unique about it Uh but it's still very good (laughs) i don't know how do you guys feel about it that that is how i feel too it's fair yeah like it's it's notable but i don't know i i don't think really really good things always have to be unique you know yeah 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 it's based off of the diana Wynne jones novel of the same name um Mm -hmm. she is an english author and i actually own the book it is well loved uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm looking at it right now on my shelf and i'm like oh "Oh, man (laughs) it has quite a few creases on the spine there (laughs) those are the best books yes it's a charming book but Even more than Kiki's Delivery Service, it's really only based off of, like, the skeleton ideas of the novel and not actually any of, like, the meat of the story. Which is really interesting because it was my first moment, I think, when I read the source material for a movie adaptation and I was not upset by the changes that the movie had made. Because the stories are so different that it's almost impossible to actually compare the two. (laughs) Now, I mean, the characters are the same, and the idea of, like, a castle that moves around is the same. There's the idea of the wastes, which is the same. But beyond that, it's just the story goes in a fairly different direction, and... Some of the backgrounds of the characters are are kind of switched up a little bit just to um, make the story a little bit more Miyazaki-esque, I think. <laughs> but it's good. And I, I it was a good experience for me personally because I have learned to be okay with the differences between a movie adaptation that's maybe not necessarily completely faithful to the book. Right. Yeah. Which is important, because then you would just be living your life so miserably if you <laughs> don't accept that, because most yeah. movies are based off of books now. <laughs> yep, that's true. Which, speaking of, the next movie that Studio Ghibli released was another adaptation of a book, uh, and specifically a book series. Shortly after releasing Cal's movie in Castle, they released the movie Tales from Earthsea. This was written and directed by Goro Miyazaki and produced by Suzuki. This film, 
a lot like Howl's Moving Castle, the movie is based on a lot of the characters and ideas introduced by Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea novels, but it isn't actually a direct adaptation of the books. Um, have either of you seen the movie? No, no but actually. for some reason, when you said Tales of Earthsea, I gave Chase the most confused look because I was like, t- like I couldn't think, like, tales, obviously, like, stories, but uh-huh. in my head it was tales, like, like cat tales. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so confused, I don't know why that was the first, I, like, that was just a dumb connection. Classic okay. Carmen. Oh, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I have not seen it. Uh, a lot of people haven't because it's kind of studio ghibli's worst movie oh, <laughs> which is no. shots fired kind of yeah um so it has a 43% rotten tomatoes rating i trust i trust the rotted tomatoes Squee! yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the the one that i had talked about before the uh ocean waves movie where I was like, yeah, like it was rushed. It was made to see how fast they could produce things. And it was released on TV. Even that has an 88%. So 43% is really indicative of just how, how yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually kind of an interesting reason for that. Goro Miyazaki is the son of Hayao Miyazaki and this is his first directing attempt uh, ever for for a movie. Oh. And he from <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, maybe. I'm sorry, father. From so what fun. I understand, there were a lot of reluctant feelings going into making this movie from both of the Miyazakis. Oh. Yeah, so First of all, Goro was hesitant to follow in his father's footsteps for a very long time and actually pursued an um, he actually pursued a career in landscaping for a while before he was finally convinced that like he needed to continue his father's legacy. And Hayao felt like Goro wasn't quite ready to direct a feature film by the time the studio handed it over to him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, clearly, like, there was an enthusiasm going into it from either side there, and I think that really reflects in the film. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, it has very clunky storytelling, and the world building never gets quite rounded out enough for audiences to fully understand what's going on. It's just, it's it's really sad. And the reason why I think it's really sad is that as someone who has actually read the Earthsea books, I kind of appreciate the movie as a sequel to the books. Ah. Yeah. It, once you read the books and you know who the characters are and what their backgrounds are and like the experiences that they've gone through to get them to yeah. the point that they're at, mm-hmm. you can see it's kind of a love letter to the series. Yeah. And I can appreciate it for that, but... Oh, Oof. As a standalone movie, it is not good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and you just know people will probably, like, just watch it and call it bad and just not really go further than that and try to read the book to supplement it, which is too bad, but, you know. Yeah, and I I honestly love the Earthsea books. 
I mm-hmm. adore them. Anytime there's like special editions that come out that cost way more money than I have <laughs> to spare on books, yeah. I always look at them and I'm like, Nick, you know what you could get me for my birthday <laughs> or for Christmas? <laughs> and just because it's my birthday or Christmas doesn't mean we actually have the money for it. <laughs> Right, but no, I but it's like it. you find you find the money for those occasions. <laughs> the good news is that Tales from Earthsea is sandwiched between two really good movies, so the studio did not like suffer a huge blow from it. Yay. Because the next movie that they released was Ponyo. Yay. Yay. We talked about this one a little bit in the Disney episode. Yeah, we did. Uh just a little bit, mostly because it is based off of a fairy tale and it's really interesting because despite the fact that there have been multiple movies based off of books um, that Studio Ghibli has produced up to this point, this is actually the first of the studio's movies that's directly adapted from a fairy tale. Huh. Yeah, it's it's just really interesting because you see a lot of like Japanese lore in a lot of the movies, but yeah, there's no like yeah, fairy tale that yeah, they just yeah. were like, yeah, let's do a telling of this. For sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean... If you know the story of the Little Mermaid, congratulations! You know what the story of Ponyo is. I, there's not much to say yeah. about it beyond that, but it's adorable, and there's a lot of really quotable and memeable moments from the movie. <laughs> and also, Tina Fey does the voice of one of the moms, so yes. you know it's it's good all around. That's awesome! I didn't know that. I don't know about you guys. If you have like favorite movie moments from from Ghibli, but I think one of mine is when Ponyo is describing her mom, and she goes, "My mom is so big and beautiful." <laughs> I love that. that and the cute. way she intones it is just <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Yeah, I I I saw that one a while ago, and I need to rewatch it. Yeah, me too. I haven't seen that in a while. Mm-hmm. Do it. It's, it's a so staple. Good. It is. In 2010, Studio Ghibli released yet another book-to-film adaptation with Arietti. In the English version, it is known as The Secret World of Arietti. Have you guys read or are familiar with The Borrowers? Oh, yeah. I am not, actually. <gasps> Might have been a bit oh, before your time. Child. I am but a young one. He's a young one. <laughs> a young one. So the borrowers <laughs> is a like young readers level book about very tiny people that <laughs> borrow in quotations borrow things from the houses that they live in. Um, <laughs> because they generally like live in the walls or under the floors of like regular sized houses. And so they have to steal things from like the kitchens it's and the craft rooms. Our house is prime for that stuff. So yeah, <laughs> Seriously. Oh man, yeah. I I remember there was a live action adaptation of oh, the borrowers yeah. that was released oh, when I was much. really little. <laughs> so I I don't know. I I think I was terrified of it then, too. Yeah, it's a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things where the idea of little people living in the walls of your house is just like, (laughs) 
No, doesn't matter how nice they are. <laughs> I don't Seriously. like it. Yeah, just the fact that they're here. And I didn't know for so long. <laughs> the movie The Secret World of Arietti was written by Miyazaki and Keiko Niwa. It was produced by Suzuki and directed by a person whose name I'm probably going to butcher. Hiromasa Yonebayashi. That sounded really good. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so it's based off of the borrowers. It specifically focuses on a young borrower named Arietti. She is living in this countryside home with her mom and dad, and the story revolves around her relationship with a regular-sized boy that is there to live with his aunt for the summer and the consequences of her family's discovery, um, because borrowers are supposed to be secret. Um, yes. because they steal, <laughs> I think, right. I think that's most of it is that they know they're not borrowing, they're stealing. And I don't know, the movie's all right. I yeah. think it's, again, one of those movies that it's worth seeing once, but I just, I've just never really felt way. a need to watch mm-hmm. it yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. Now we've got From Up on Poppy Hill. Yeah. And I don't know if you can see my notes, Carmen, what I, what I said about yeah. from up on Poppy Hill. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. Oh, um, yeah, look, yeah, Chase just saw it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so do you want to explain your note here? Yes. Audrey's note, by the way, says incest vibes. <laughs> <laughs> So, a little bit of context for it. It was Goro Miyazaki's second attempt at directing a film for the studio. Oh, Goro. And Goro. I know, Goro, I I think I think there is a place for him in the film industry. I don't think Studio Ghibli is that place. Yeah, he sounds like he's a lot more um edgier. <laughs> Yeah. He wants to he wants to do bigger, grosser things, maybe. Maybe, yeah. So the first half of this movie totally has me on board because it is a lot like Whisper of the Heart. Mm-hmm. You meet the female lead, her name is Umi, and she lives at the top of a hill and she is super passionate about leaving flags up for boats that are passing by. And she meets a boy her age named Shun. And the two of them develop a relationship while they work on rebuilding the school's clubhouse, which is slated for demolition by some big corporate bigwigs. And it really is just like (laughs) super duper fun to watch because they kind of have this little bit of rivalry going on at first. And then they're like, no, let's be friends. And then you watch them as they rally the other students for like rebuilding this clubhouse. And it's Mm -hmm. just so heartwarming to watch mm. all of these teenagers put so much effort into like <laughs> renovating a building mm-hmm. that's super impressive yeah it sounds sweet it reminds and... me of like Risa schools out or yeah, any other nickelodeon sure. right yeah mm-hmm. and so i was like so into it and i was totally invested in this very clearly romantic relationship between umi and shun <laughs> And then Shun finds out that he and Umi might be siblings. <laughs> and it's kind of, like, complicated and convoluted, <laughs> but basically, like, he stumbles on this picture of his dad, and Umi 
also has the same picture of her dad. And so he's like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> so he goes and looks up in the registry and he discovers that he has been like registered under the same family name as Umi. And so mm. he's like, oh, dang, we share the same dad. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> and this Gosh. is like two thirds of the way through the movie. So you've got that last third <laughs> of the movie <laughs> with this whole back and forth of like, oh, they're my sibling. I can't feel these feelings, but also I kind of can't help myself. So the romantic mm. tension is going to be there. And I just, oh. Swing, <laughs> swing and a miss. In the end, you find out conclusively that they are not siblings. So why even bother? Exactly. Uh. On the surface, you're like, all's well that ends well, I guess. Yeah, but it's it's just tainted now. Maybe they don't feel that way, but goodness, I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even oh man, just (sighs) I don't have words. That's I just, okay. I I love everything about the movie except for that, but <laughs> yeah. because it is such a big part of the movie, I can't watch it again, and it makes me so upset. Yeah, you you I, yeah start trying to watch it again. It, all the cuteness would just be weird. It's just, <laughs> gosh, that's so weird. Yeah, Goro swinging a miss. Yeah, I have sorry, that one Goro. On, on DVD. You do? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> okay, so you own it, which indicates that you have watched it at least more than once or you intend to watch it more than once so tell me your feelings about it because i actually really like it (laughs) i look at it from the luke and leia perspective that's who i thought of yeah and you know it still is kind of weird but at least they're not related yeah it ends up not being it ends up not being the case they yeah. just thought they were and still had feelings for each other. Yeah. But maybe they wouldn't have still had feelings for each other if they were related. Yeah, if they were really related, maybe if they had given it time. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, yeah. No, but I get it. So I do want to watch it so I can have an opinion about this. Yeah. You shall. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll put it on our long list of movies to watch before Chase moves out. Hooray! <laughs> Back to... Uh, Dad Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Papa Hayao... Miyazaki. Papa. <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki released his, and I say this in quotations again, his last movie before his for reals retirement yeah. in 2013. He wrote and directed a movie called The Wind Rises. And as it was his final film, he chose to kind of make it a pet project of his. It's a fictionalized story about a real-life engineer named Jiro Horikoshi and his life and career. He was actually really important to uh, Japanese aviation history because he designed one of the fighter planes that was used by Japan in World War II. And the film largely centers on his love of planes, which if you've watched Porco Rosso, you know is a passion that Miyazaki really strongly shares. Mm -hmm. It also takes a look at Horikoshi's personal life and his relationship with his wife and her own health problems, which honestly just kind of ends up adding a, a little bit of drama to the movie. 
um, in, in a movie that has relatively low stakes. <laughs> um, and I think because of that, it's nonfiction in a way that I'm actually almost uncomfortable with. Like, I mean, okay, so like, if you had to describe Studio Ghibli movies in like five words or less, what would you guys use? Um, whimsical, charming, symbolic, uh, childlike, uh, artistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chase? Uh, beautiful, charming, colorful, dreamlike, strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, so, I don't know, the, I that love them. Was that five? Yeah, yeah that was five. It. You got it. He nailed it. I would use the term historical mm. and lifelike and colorful and relatable for yeah. these movies. Or not for all the movies, but for this movie in specific, The Wind huh. Rises, yeah. which is really weird. Like I like I said, I'm almost kind of uncomfortable with how realistic it is. Yeah, it sounds unlike it yeah. sounds unlike the other kind of magical centered magic not magical, it's not magical realism, it's just magical. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so again, worth watching once. You may end up loving it. I think it probably can be appreciated more by Japanese audiences just because it is more Japanese culture oriented and history oriented. I don't know. I maybe history buffs absolutely adore it. It's colorful. He has a couple of dream sequences where like he's flying planes that couldn't actually possibly exist because physics won't allow planes <laughs> that size and shape to fly. Awesome. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, that's all right. The studio's next film, Post Miyazaki, actually kind of repeats history. Much like My Neighbors, the Yamadas, it was the first film to be released after Miyazaki, quote, retired. It was written and directed by Takahata, and it features an art style that is very different from the traditional Ghibli style. This movie is The Tale of the Princess Kaguya. And this one is the second movie to be based off of a fairy tale, the first one being Ponyo. The Tale of the Princess Kaguya is a traditional Japanese folktale um, where basically a farmer, well, a bamboo cutter, uh, goes out um, and he's older his wife is older they've never had kids they really want kids he's out cutting bamboo and he discovers a little tiny girl um in a in a bamboo <laughs> shoot that he cuts <laughs> and and the tale is about how um she is able to make things appear and the parents use that to their advantage and make gold and cloth and fine things, you know, silver uh, appear, and they become very wealthy because of it. The little child, they decide to call her princess, and because they become very wealthy, 
she is actually kind of considered a princess. And so there's all sorts of suitors that like want to marry her Mm. and it gets escalated to the point where even the emperor notices her, you know, he's taken with her beauty and he actually believes that she's a princess (laughs) and the princess Kaguya does not want any of this. Like she hates all of the attention. She does not want to marry the emperor And one night she um, speaks to the moon and she begs the moon to take her back. And so you find out that she is actually the princess of a group of like demigods that live on the moon. (laughs) And so they come back (laughs) and they they take her back to the moon Um, the next time there's a full moon (laughs) and even though she like loves her parents very much and she has loved her time on earth because she has already begged them to take her back like that is a decision that she cannot take back and so the tale ends kind of on a low note where like she just leaves and she's gone (laughs) but the the tale the way that it's told by studio ghibli is just heartbreakingly gorgeous um if you guys you know care about the rotten tomato rating for this one it is yes please it's 100% wow, wow. yes i actually recently looked up um all the hundred percenters on um, Rotten Tomatoes, and I can't remember seeing this. Wait, so do you like it? Oh, I love it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I honestly need to own it. I don't know why I haven't gotten it at this point. Yeah, that but... sounds awesome. I, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it is. I mean, according to audiences, it is a flawless movie, and I tend to agree. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, okay. The pacing is really good. The storytelling is really good. But I think the thing that draws most people to it is the art style. And Carmen, I'm just going to encourage you now to like look up the tale of the Princess Kaguya. Sure. Um and just like look at the Google images. Wow. Whoa, it's that like a painting. Amazing. Yes. Oh. <laughs> whoa so it looks a lot like a painting the whole way through like a literal painting come <laughs> to life and because it has a painting come to life feel to it the animators took some liberties with um making the art style emphasize the mood of a scene So in particular, there's one scene where Kaguya is very upset. Um, I I think it's like after the emperor tries to make advances on her and she is just wanting to get away. She doesn't want anything to do with this life that her parents have kind of built up for her. And the colors aren't these like light pastel colors and... The lines aren't these just very light brushstrokes. 
The lines are very thick. They are very angry. They are very bold. And they're not well defined. So you can tell kind of that she is running away and that she's upset. But it's so much more symbolic than that. Mm-hmm. And it is just, it is fascinating to watch because they pull it off in a way that you can still tell what the story is is saying and where it's going. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, flawless movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watch I found, it. I found a little picture of what looks like her oh, in the bamboo <laughs> shoot. It's so cute. That looks amazing. Yes. It's like she's in a little corn husk. It's all, a little cocoon. A little cocoon. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you keep scrolling down, you'll see some pictures of like what I'm talking about, where she's wearing looks like she's wearing a white top and red pants, uh-huh. and she's just like running through this desolate yeah, area. Yeah, there it is. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that looks beautiful. Cool. Well, yep, this is on my list. I honestly, I. Mm, I kind of just want to like stop it there. I just kind of want to be like, let's end on a high note. And oh, yeah, here's, no. you know, a 100% movie that we can just be like, and Studio and Ghibli has a perfect yeah. track record. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that also kind of implies that I wouldn't want to see any more Ghibli films. And that's also not true. Yeah. Because I do want more Ghibli films. Yeah. yeah. So after The Tale of the Princess Kaguya... The studio released a movie called When Marnie Was There. And this one, again, Miyazaki was on retirement. So it was directed by Hiros- nope. Hiromasa Yonebayashi. So the same guy whose name I just mm, am super intimidated by. Yeah, I think you said it differently both times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Yone Bayashi. And that time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. It is based on another novel by uh, on by an author named Joan G. Robison. And it is the story about a girl who is very introverted. She doesn't really like interacting with people at all. And her parents are kind of worried about her health, so they take her out to the countryside and they live in this cottage where it's next to a lake. And so this girl uh, spent some time on the lake and eventually like, she goes out rowing on it and she sees this abandoned mansion across the lake. And she meets a girl named Marnie there. And they become friends and you're never quite sure throughout the movie like is marnie a ghost is this mansion a haunted house maybe because it seems to be bright and thriving about half the time and the other half of the time it is abandoned and spooky and it's (laughs) it's a weird (laughs) take for a ghibli movie to have i think (laughs) so Again, one of those movies where I am sure there's a lot of people that it just touched them dearly. Mm-hmm. It it does have a really good message about family mm-hmm. because it turns out that, yes, Marnie is a ghost. Um, and the girl, uh, her name is Anna. 
she is actually related to Marnie. Marnie is her uh, grandmother or great grandmother. And so she's like, oh, well, if she was still alive, we would have been, like, best friends. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are just like, oh, my gosh, I am totally best friends with my grandma. And I wish that I could see her again. Yeah. And, yeah, not to downplay that, but. No, it just (laughs) didn't reach you. Mm. No. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, They do have another movie in production right now called how do you live supposedly it's going to come out either this year or next year and supposedly Ooh. that's exciting it is written and directed by hayao miyazaki so <gasps> you know oh that <laughs> that was pretty exciting i had not heard about that yeah so the man you know clearly does not know how to retire for real things. <laughs> good. He's too good at, yeah he, he enjoys his, his his calling too much you will never die yeah, I mean, he's he's probably going to um, just drop down in the middle of presenting a storyboard. Right, yeah, he'll be in it till the end. Yeah, there's not many facts out about it at this, at this time. It's another movie that's based off of a book. Um, this one is actually a Japanese book, uh, so kind of stepping away from the whole... Uh, European novel theme that they like to follow so much. Yeah. And from what I've seen about my research, it's pretty much just a slice of life uh, story following a 15-year-old boy who just kind of discovers who he is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll pull it off really, really well because those slice of life... Yeah, movies man i i do love them yeah. <laughs> yeah so well with that all being said and you probably said this at some point during the recording but which one would you rate like if you if you had one to show someone who was like i don't want to give studio ghibli a chance i don't care i don't think they I, they probably don't make good movies what one would you show them that you think would just completely convince them otherwise so not your favorite, but like probably the best representation. Right. Um, hmm. I I am torn a little bit between Kiki's Delivery Service and Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. Because while I do think Spirited Away is definitely like the most emblematic of mm-hmm. Studio Ghibli films... I think that it's a little too much for someone. Yeah, it's cloying. That's a good point. Who who has never watched those movies before? So yeah. like with Kiki's Delivery Service, I think that's a good introduction because you can just be like, this is a world where witches exist and like the premise is laid out in the first few minutes. When a witch turns 13, she has to go out in the world and kind of discover what her place in the world is going to be. Mm-hmm. And she does traditional witch things, like she can talk to animals and she rides a broom. And I think most people can get on board with that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, sure. it's graspable enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so either that one or Howl's Moving Castle, because that one has, I think, 
just enough weirdness in it that it's like, hey, yeah, just sure. so you know, like, there's some weird stuff in a lot of these films. Yeah. Here's a little taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Chase? Yeah, like like what movie? Uh, yeah, what would best represent <clears throat> Studio Ghibli <clears throat> if you're trying to convince someone? Yeah, honestly, I think um, I think House Moving Castle is a pretty good one. Yeah, it's that's that's hard to say. They're all just so good. I I feel like I um I've seen less movies than both of you, so I feel like mine's. I want to say Totoro, obviously, because that one's so special to me. Yeah, but I don't. For sure. I don't think it's quite like. I don't know. It does. It doesn't really grasp the scope that Ghibli films can do. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it has a really catchy theme song to it. You only <laughs> It's a magical feeling for you. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that one is the cutest. I I will die on that hill. I I will not stop you from dying on that hill. Thank you. That's respectful. <laughs> I, I will encourage you to die. On that hill. <laughs> I encourage you to die on that hill. If if you have to choose a hill to die on, that's not a bad hill to yeah. die on. Yeah, good. Thanks for your blessing. I Thanks. mean. Oh, I, I would also point to the Ponyo Hill and be like, eh, mm. that one's also pretty good. But... Yeah. I, just, yeah. I need to sit down and just watch them all. I don't know even what's keeping me back. It's just a general laziness. <laughs> even for doing something as lazy <laughs> as watching a movie. <laughs> no, man, I get it. Why watch a movie when you can browse Reddit on your phone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just too easy to accessible no but i'm really glad that um michael and i have had this discussion sometimes about animated movies and how he's particularly annoyed that uh 2d animation is just kind of a thing of the past now yeah seriously so much value and i think studio ghibli films really illustrate that value i think i prefer 2d animation over 3d like 3d is fun for a while pixar does it really really well but there's just some charm sometimes in those 2D movies mm. that you, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the word that I'm looking for, I don't know, I feel like 2D animation has a kind of springiness to it. Like, yeah. I don't know, I just, even if it's supposed to be lifelike animation, there's just this like, I don't know buoyancy (laughs) to to 2d animation that i feel like like 3d animation doesn't quite get Mm -hmm. and i just i need more of it in my life i think yeah me too yeah me too yeah i'm glad that they're still going with their cool 2d style Mm Mhm. yeah and it's so iconic now too like you just you know a ghibli movie when you see it (laughs) yeah yeah for sure just absolutely saturated colors and mm-hmm. charming expressions on yeah. all of the characters' faces. And also, for some reason, water that is like 60% gelatin. Yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> of course. And vegetables that are just so crispy looking and delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also like three times larger than they should be. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness, so much fun. 
Okay, so if you guys had to rank your top three favorite Ghibli films, we're not going to do what do you think the best Ghibli film is, because that is very subjective. And even if we were going to try and do it objectively, uh, so many of their movies are rated like 95, 96, 97, 98 on Rotten Tomatoes that... Uh, I, I don't think it can average out to have a top three. Yeah. So top three favorite Ghibli films. Hmm. Well, that's easy for me. It's like the few that I've seen are like... <laughs> list. I would say Totoro, Spirited Away, and then uh, Ponyo. And the other one that just didn't make that was, I guess, Princess Mononoke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fourth place. Runner-up. Yeah, what about you, Chase? <laughs> Um, probably, honestly, probably Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. Spirited Away, and, dang, that's hard. Prob, mm, honestly, probably Nausicaa. Mm. Oh, yeah, Nausicaa's really, very, very good. I really good. like Nausicaa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I just love Patrick Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, what a great man. <laughs> what about you, um, Odd? Odd the Strat? my favorite is porco rosso number one love me my flying pig i knew that and (laughs) whisper of the heart is number two Mm -hmm. and the tale of the princess kaguya is gonna be number three yeah yours are so subversive like they're the the hipster music. <laughs> yeah, I really I really am the hipster Miyazaki you are, fan. You are. That's okay. <laughs> how dare I not have like Spirited Away or Mononoke Seriously, or Seriously, how dare you? No, I, there's so many that I need to watch and I yeah, I'm annoyed that I didn't get more watched before we recorded this episode, but I'm really glad to have learned of all of them and maybe averaged out some of the next ones that I'll put on my list based on your guys' favorites. I think Porco Yay. Rosso has been on my list for the longest just because you told me about it so long ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that is generally the first thing that I mention whenever somebody brings up Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Like, it always goes down like this. We're in a group at work and somebody says, oh, I love Studio Ghibli. And somebody else says, oh, what Studio Ghibli? And then everybody is like, oh my gosh, Studio Ghibli. Let me tell you about it. And I'm like, <laughs> but wait... Don't forget about Porco Rosso. <laughs> so you're the one that will never forget about Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso. <laughs> um, I don't think I mentioned it when we talked about it last episode. Uh, he is voiced by Michael Keaton in the English version. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe consider that yeah, as well. Sure. Oh my god. That's a great incentive. <laughs> oh boy. If you guys had to choose one fairy tale to be given the Ghibli treatment. What would you choose? That is hard. I feel like so I've always been really afraid of Pinocchio. Oh my god. I feel like Studio Ghibli could make it both really creepy and kind of like cool and more beautiful to look at than I don't know. You know what I mean? That movie kind of freaks me out. That's a dark movie. It's super magical. Yeah, it's dark. But I think um yeah, some Ghibli movies are dark, you know? I think they could do well with it. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think, Chase? Honestly, I was just thinking and 
They could do a pretty cool Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That would be so trippy. That would be like that would be like Spirited Away Part Two. Yeah. Like Spirited yeah. Away meets Nausicaa meets yes. Princess Mononoke. That'd be awesome. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I would love to see that. Like, I mean, okay, so the Cheshire Cat is basically Cat Bus but purple, right? Oh like, my god. Yeah, just oh. the, grin, the grin. Yeah. Yes. There, it's already there. Yeah, the groundwork is there. It's awesome. I mean, you should send a letter to them. Yeah, seriously, that's the movie they're releasing this year. Idea, yes. I, I'm gonna go with Beauty and the Beast. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And it's because I can see them designing the Beast in a way that has not been designed by American audiences yeah. or or British audiences. You know, that very, like, still, like, mammalian look. And you're like, yeah, he's a beast, but I don't know. He looks more like a furry. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine them going, like, full, like, boar head and, yeah. like, like, like nasty, you know, like, yeah, actual like beast. Beast, mm-hmm. like, scary. Yeah, yeah, like the Get boar it. from um, Princess Mononoke. Yeah. <laughs> using that head. Oof, yeah, or just something like equally scary, like uh, maybe a baboon or <laughs> like a reptile head. Oh, yeah, I I feel like if Studio Ghibli did that movie, they'd they'd maybe make the beast more like a specific type of animal rather than just like a vague beast. Maybe they'd go mm-hmm. with something, yeah, like lizardy, like a dinosaur mm. head. Yeah, <laughs> dino <laughs> or Whoa. a chicken. A chicken. A chicken. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> We're chicken. That takes away so much of the edge. I can imagine that. And he just involuntarily. <laughs> and his eyes are all going different directions. Yeah. And she's like, can I bring myself to love the <laughs> Oh, Everything is farm oh, themed. Yeah. Yeah, and instead of being scary, it's just ridiculous. It's yeah, she's not threatened by him. She just like really legitimately pities him cuz he's such a freak. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I love it. Okay. All right, any final thoughts about Ghibli movies? I love Ghibli. Yeah. I'm okay. Very happy. I'm very happy you've taken the time to put together. Yeah, seriously. This little thing. This little this little list of all the goods. Little nugget of goodness. Little nuggets. Little, yes. little nuggets. <laughs> Been educational too. Yeah, Good. seriously. Good. I aim to educate. Yes. Make make everybody feel a little bit smarter about. Yeah. Thanks whatever for we talk to know about more today than you did yesterday <laughs> congratulations congratulations you are a smarter and more well-rounded person than yep. you were yesterday <laughs> yep yep well thank you both for joining me today and chase thanks for joining us as thank our you. guest yay. yay and for those of us who will be joining us next week you can check us out on twitter at kittens and kanye or Instagram at Kitten Whiskers and Kanye. And we will post some of our favorite Ghibli things. 
Um, I think I've actually posted one of my favorite Ghibli things before. I'll have to retweet <laughs> myself. <laughs> just out of, but, not even talking about Ghibli, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a, a mouse pad that has Porco Rosso on it. So yes! I was very excited when I found some Porco yes. Rosso merch because it's not, it's not, it's not a common thing. That's awesome. <laughs> so for those of us who will be joining us next time and who have joined us today i'm audrey stratton i'm carmen thorley and this has been kitten whiskers and kanye bye bye bye